0: Welcome to What Christians Should Know, hosted by Dr. Elijah Sadoffel. This podcast equips you with clarity and meaningful answers about God, the Bible, and your Christian life. Now, here's Dr. Sadoffel. Good morning, everyone. Today, we'll be taking a look at Romans chapter 1, verses 16 to 17, so I'll give everyone a moment to turn there. We'll first pray, and then we'll get started. Precious Lord, we come before you today, yielding before your almighty throne of grace. And I, O Lord, admit that as today we will hear about your divine gospel. The gospel is your power unto salvation. It is something that is clear and understandable, but it is yet something, O Lord, that is incomprehensible the more and more I learn about it. The gospel, O Lord, details your rescue plan for humanity and what is so hard to grasp about your marvelous gospel is how a God who is holy, who detests sin, can still send his son to die for those people who rejected him. Lord, we lean upon you today. Lead us, guide us, teach us, Open our eyes, open our minds, open our hearts that we may not only hear your gospel, but treasure it in our hearts. Holy Spirit, you and you alone are our ultimate teacher. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So Romans chapter 1 verses 16 to 17, the NASB says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. In today's lesson and in the weeks that follow, we will be spending some time talking about the gospel. Of Jesus Christ. In subsequent lessons, we will return to our normal pattern of line by line exposition, but today we'll be taking a look at the text with a broad lens. So we will begin by talking about the verses we just read Romans chapter 1, verses 16 to 17. Here, the Apostle Paul sets the tone for the rest of the epistle, for the rest of the letter to the Church at Rome. But not only that, these two verses are likely some of the most important verses, not only in the Epistle to the Romans, but in the entire New Testament. These verses are crucial because they begin to unpack the Gospel to us. And the Gospel simply refers to the Good News of Jesus Christ. Now before we move forward let's make sure we understand how we got here and clearly define where we are going. The Apostle Paul opens the letter to the Romans in verse 1 by saying, Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called as an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. So from the very start, Paul tells us what his purpose is, but he never actually explains what the gospel is. That is what he now begins to do in verses 16 to 17. So what is the gospel? Romans 1:16 tells us, it says, For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. And of course, the object of our faith and the person who and the person whom everyone believes in is Jesus Christ. So why does the gospel matter? Verse 17 tells us, it says, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Now we will soon learn exactly what Paul means when he says that the gospel is the power of God for salvation and that in the gospel God's righteousness is revealed. But it is important to note how Paul explains the good news. Following verses number 16 to 17, he does not immediately jump into an explanation of the gospel itself. Rather, Paul sets up telling us the good news by first telling us the bad news. And, church, let us never forget that the good news of the gospel truly is good news because there is terrible, horrible bad news. And what is the bad news? The bad news is that the wrath of God is revealed against every form of ungodliness and unrighteousness. The bad news is that every single human being has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. God is holy and the bad news is that a perfectly just God can never say, never mind to sin. God never stops being who He is. Yes, God is a God of love and mercy. He is also a God of holiness, justice, and wrath. Without a God of wrath, you do not have the God of the Bible. Therefore, as long as God is God, He must judge all sin. This is now going to be bad news for everyone who loves sin and who hates God. The bad news is that we are sinners, not because of what we do, but because of who we are. The bad news is that our works can never save us, because based upon what we do, we can never be right with God. The bad news is that the result of sin is death, judgment, and eternal condemnation in hell. Romans 6.23, Hebrews 9.27 Paul explains the bad news to us in Romans chapter 1 verse 18 all the way through Romans chapter 3 verse 20. There he explains that the bad news is not just for Greeks or Jews. He explains that the bad news is for all humankind. The bad news is for the pagan, whose only revelation is nature, because that which is evident about God in creation has left the pagan without excuse. In other words, no one is truly ignorant of God, but what everyone is guilty of is suppressing the truth that they do know, however small it may be. For all people, they take what they do know about God, suppress it, and then pursue wickedness. Now the thinking person may say, what about the person who lived thousands of years before Christ and never had a chance to hear the gospel because the gospel did not exist yet? To which I would respond, Christ was in the world invisibly long before he was visibly born of a virgin. And as Colossians chapter 1 verse 17 tells us, Christ was there from the beginning ruling and ordering all creation, so that in Him everything consisted. The point is that even before Christ existed materially, He always was and therefore could be rejected. Furthermore, there is even bad news for the Jew who has the Law because the Law merely exposed their inability to keep it. Thus, If the Jew who has the Law is condemned, what does that say about the rest of humanity? The bad news is bad, Church, because there is no hope. This is why we desperately need a Savior. This is why God starts with the bad news first. This is why the Law precedes the Gospel. People who don't know they are sick won't look for a doctor. The Word of God pierces the heart of a thoughtless man and tells him you are not okay. It doesn't matter if you are right with yourself or if you are right with others. The only thing that matters is if you are right with God. The gospel therein opens a man's eyes to the reality that he is a sinner and he now sees himself as God sees him. This piercing of conscience now drives him away from sin and to Christ. Ignorance of darkness always causes a neglect of the light and the gospel pierces a man's conscience to illuminate, to awaken him to the reality that he is walking and living in the darkness. He is there and drawn out of darkness into God's marvelous light. In Romans chapter 1 verse 18 to chapter 3 verse 20, the text implicitly explains to us why God has manifested his righteousness in the gospel and why that righteousness can only be appropriated by faith. The reason why is because we cannot save ourselves. The only way a man can be saved is if God saves him. The only way God's justice can be appeased is if God satisfies God's wrath. The only way any person can be saved is not by trusting in what they can do. It is by trusting in what God already did. Beloved, the Gospel points us to one person, Jesus Christ. We trust in His finished work. He is the only one who made an atonement for our sins on the cross, being crushed by the unrelenting wrath of Almighty God. Out of love, God sent His own Son to die as a substitutionary sacrifice for the elect, and on the third day, Jesus rose from the dead for our justification. Now, because of what Jesus accomplished in His life, death, and resurrection, God can now justly forgive and declare the elect to be right with Him. So to sum it all up, the Gospel is a proclamation, it is an announcement of what God has accomplished. In this announcement, God tells a person how they get right with God. This getting right is necessary because we are not right by ourselves. The way by which a person gets right with God is only one, through the person and work of Jesus Christ. Now for those who hear the gospel and respond to Jesus, the child of God is forever transformed because they understand and treasure what God has done for them. They now live by the mantra to God be the glory forever so paul introduces the gospel in romans chapter 1 verses 16 to 17 he demonstrates that all of humanity is fallen in chapter 118 through chapter 3 verse 20 and then he begins actually expounding the gospel in romans chapter 3 verse 21 That being said, we will talk about this more thoroughly when we get to chapter 3, but when grabbing a hold of the power and majesty of the gospel, we have to realize something very, very important. God's holiness means He is separate or other. This means He is qualitatively different than you and I. This means He is in a category all by Himself. He is perfect and pure, which is why He hates, abhors, and detests sin. So if God is truly holy, and He is, how then can He possibly forgive you? If God is just, how can He justly pardon you? And the answer is, He can't. The answer is, He can't unless His just wrath is satisfied. Here now is the dilemma. You have a God who is holy and just, who abhors sin, but now a world filled with sinners. How can God justly forgive us? He can't. So what does God do? Does God leave us alone? No, He does not. What God now does by His grace is He offers Himself to die on a cross to satisfy His wrath, for his elect. Because there is no possible way we can save ourselves, God elects to do it for us. Now at Calvary, now at the cross of Christ, what we see is a perfect harmony of God's justice and wrath and mercy and grace. Now, because of what Jesus did, as Romans 3.26 says, God is just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus Christ. Beloved, the Gospel is the best news mankind has ever heard. Accordingly, the one who responds to the Gospel value Jesus as the precious mediator of the Good News. Now that person gets to delight in Him forever in Paradise. The person who rejects the gospel regards the cross as foolish and their foolishness leads them to precisely what they want, an existence without God. In the end, they get exactly what they asked for in hell. Now I realize everything that I just said was heavy, but fear not because as we begin to move through the verses, we will unpack things piece by piece. Now let's zoom in to verse number 16. again. Romans chapter 1 verse 16 says, "For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek." Now, why would Paul say that he is not ashamed of the gospel? Well, that's simple. He tells us why in what immediately follows. He is not ashamed, for it, the gospel, is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. But I think Paul also wrote that he is not ashamed of the gospel because other people were and because he knew that some people would be. That includes many people in our time. Many people in modernity are embarrassed to say they believe in Christ and they cringe when talking about religion in public spaces because of the fear of rebuke or criticism. They dread being asked questions like, you don't actually believe that, do you? Or do you honestly mean to tell me you trust in stories that were written thousands of years ago? But Paul, serving in his spirit, is able to boldly proclaim that he is not in fact ashamed of Christ because Christ was not ashamed to die on a cross for him. The innocent Son of God allowed himself to be humiliated, tortured and crucified at Calvary. So why would we ever look at our pierced Lord and say, I'm ashamed of you? The word for ashamed in Greek speaks to when a person is intensely disgraced, singled out, or personally humiliated. And when you take a step back and think about it, the gospel of Jesus Christ is intensely disgraceful to the natural man. It tells the natural man that he is not good enough and that he cannot impress God. It tells the natural man that only God's way is the way of salvation. It tells him that because God is sovereign, He is not. The gospel exalts God and crushes man, and man does not like that one bit. Man cannot take God from his throne, so the least he can do is make people feel ashamed for preaching the gospel so he won't have to hear about the God he finds to be so offensive. Like Paul, All Christians ought never to be ashamed of the Gospel because it is the power of God. It is powerful and it is God's way. The reality is, many modern Christians in the West are biblically illiterate. It therefore makes sense that they are ashamed of the Gospel because they don't understand it. And how could they if the Gospel is broadcast in a book that they don't read? They think the ancient idea of a bloody Savior hanging on a cross is not only silly but nonsensical. They'd rather God act more like the God they want, with overt demonstrations of power and wonders. You mean Jesus was born of a virgin and was lying in a manger? How ridiculous. How common. A seemingly helpless man on an old wooden cross? How underwhelming. Raised from the dead on the third day? How unscientific. It's no wonder so many Christians feel hindered in telling others about Christ if they don't actually understand what they believe and why they believe it in the first place. On the one hand, for the Christian who feels ashamed of the Gospel, perhaps you are considering the wrong audience. Perhaps you are considering how other people will respond and what they will think about you, when you should consider what God will think about you if you keep silent about Jesus. After all, because the gospel is the power of God for salvation, the most unloving thing a Christian can do is not share the gospel. Why? Because the gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Not sharing the gospel means you may see someone walking to their own destruction and the only thing you do is watch in silence. On the other hand, there are people who are not saved who are ashamed of the gospel because it does not make any sense to them. They seem to think of Jesus as a nice teacher or a good example, but they certainly don't think of Him as Savior and Lord. After all, God becoming a man and being rejected by His own so that He could die seems like a ridiculous salvation plan. Our comfort, however, is found in what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. That text says, For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. That is to say, for a world that is lost, if what the Church preaches is not interpreted as foolishness, then that's not the biblical gospel. If the world cheers the message, then something is catastrophically wrong. The Church preaches the Gospel knowing it is foolishness to those who are perishing. But for those who actually understand the Gospel, we are never ashamed, for it is the power of God. At the end of the day, beloved, we are not ashamed of the Gospel because it is the Gospel of God. It's news that is good that comes from God Himself. It's not Paul's gospel. It's not your denomination's gospel. It's not philosophy's gospel. It is God's gospel and therefore has the power of the Lord behind it. God's word cannot and will not return to him void. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 11. This is where we will end our introduction to the gospel in Romans chapter 1, verses 16 to 17. Next time, we will take another look at these two verses and unpack four specific reasons why Paul is not ashamed of the Gospel. Dear Lord, we thank you for the opportunity and the privilege that we get to hear, sit under and immerse ourselves in your glorious Word. Transform us, O Lord, by your truth so the Gospel message will be inside of all of us, that we may at any time be ready to preach the good news to all those who are here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more valuable resources, including a bookstore and online Bible study, visit wcsk.org.